morning. Because last week we learned all about how to walk in the Spirit from the real-life example of Jesus. He was doubted. He was questioned. He was challenged. Some believed in him. Some hated him so much that they were planning out his death. Do you ever have anyone plan your downfall, hoping that you're going to fail, and making sure they put everything in your way that they can? You know, Jesus dealt with all of that garbage that we deal with in life, and yet somehow he rose above it. He didn't fail. Even when the kingdom of darkness thought that he had experienced the ultimate failure, we all know what happened three days later, right? And so that is a real-life example. That when we remain filled with the Holy Spirit, the greater one that is dwelling in us, the one that's greater than he was in the world, right? Leaves no room for the enemy to get a foothold, a stronghold, any kind of hold at all in our lives. If we're just able to stay filled with the Spirit, we will be unstoppable. Unstoppable. And there are some here among us who have experienced incredible victory. There are some of us who are still struggling through theirs. Please continue to keep Cheryl in prayer and Dave as they walk through that journey. It's been longer than any of us were ever expecting. Pray for her deliverance from pain, that God would restore everything that that cancer stole. The cancer's gone, and we praise Jesus for that. But he's got to do some restoring of that that was stolen to take away that pain, you know. So keep praying for Dave to have the strength to be her caregiver. Never thought he'd be in that role in his lifetime, I'm sure. But um, they've got to give him the strength, the wisdom. And above all, that God would just heal and restore her life. It just, you know, we know he's able. We know he's willing. So Jesus, let your will be done in her life. Because mm. he knows the glory that she's not quiet. She's, she's, she's going to give some glory to God, right? All, everyone's going to hear, hear about the healing that he did. So, Lord, just let it be done. But we're unstoppable. And that's what gives us the, the faith and the confidence to persevere. Even as Jesus, he looked on the cross. And remember, he did beg if there's any other way, Lord. You know, he was crying, but he was like, no. He, it was the joy that was set before him no, that, that it helped him to endure the cross. And that's what helps us to endure. We know this is just a chapter. This is just a season. It's going to come to an end. That there is joy waiting for us in the morning on the other side of this season of darkness. That's what helps us to persevere, to press on, and to keep believing God for even greater things. Jesus was our example of that. He went through seasons of, of depression and oppression and seasons where people were trying to trip him. People went through everything that we deal with in life. He can empathize with it. Yet he reigned victorious over it all. And then he freely hands us that victory. We can be as unstoppable as Jesus was and still is today. Paul reminds us that when we choose to walk in the Spirit and not by our flesh, what we want to do, what we feel like doing, we live fruitful lives that are literally unstoppable. As Paul teaches us in Galatians chapter 5, he talks about the fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit. Most of us are familiar with that, so I'm not going to read through the chapter. But he said, I warn you, in verse 21, as I did before. So this is, any of you parents ever give your children warning after warning after warning? This is what Paul's doing to the church in Corinth. I warned, or in, in Galatians. I warned you, I warned you, I warned you, and I'm going to warn you again that those who live like this, and that's living by the flesh, they won't inherit the kingdom of God. I don't want to miss out. I don't want to run this race and fall flat on my face five feet before the uh, finish line, right? So you've got to be careful not to walk in our flesh the way we used to, but now to live in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit. And he said the fruits of the Spirit, there's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things... 
There is no law. So that's the awesome thing. No matter how bad things get in this world, even when Christianity is completely outlawed, even in these great United States of America, there is still nothing that can stop you from living a spirit-filled, in fact, I'm going to start saying spirit-fueled instead of spirit-filled. Spirit-fueled life. Nothing can stop it. Nothing. Because no one and nothing can stop you from loving others. No one and nothing can ever stop you from being joyful, from having peace, from being patient. Now, people will try your patience, but they can't stop you. All they're going to do is reveal your patience, right? And that's what I have to remind myself every time. Like, I love the unlovable and be patient with people that just keep making dumb decisions over and over and over again. You know, i got to remind myself, this is going to reveal the Spirit's patience within me. This is going to reveal the Spirit's love in me because I don't have it right now. <laughs> so it's the Spirit that's going to bear fruit through my life. No one and nothing can stop you from being kind to other people. In fact, the Bible says that when you're being kind to your enemies, it'll heap coals, burning coals on their head, right? Nothing and no one can stop you from receiving and pouring out the goodness of God. The goodness. No one and nothing can stop you from being faithful, from being gentle. And this is one i got to remind myself often, too, of having self-control. You can only get these things from the Holy Spirit. No one and nothing out there in this world can ever give you peace or joy. They might be able to give you something temporarily, but nothing enduring that gets you through those things. And that is the awesome thing. Even when Christianity is outlawed, nothing can actually, there's no law that can ever be legislated to stop these things from happening. And, and I've been so, like, tore down but encouraged from reading different testimonies. I remember reading this testimony. I think I actually shared a video of her because she survived it. She's being tormented in another country for her faith. They put her in this shipping container and it was scorching hot. So There's no airflow. They would not feed her. They would come in every day and just beat her. And she'd be like, I love you. They just couldn't. And it made them more angry. And there was nothing that they could put her through that could stop her from loving them. And it was just driving them crazy. And eventually they just released her and let her go. I'm like, oh Lord, to have that kind of faith. Like Stephen, when he was being stoned to death, and he just looked up and saw Jesus. And he was just full of joy. He saw Jesus seated on the throne. And man, if, if we could just have that kind of faith. Because that is what opposition creates, is an atmosphere, a stage, for you to reveal God in all of his character and glory. So as these days grow darker and darker and more and more evil, always remember these facts. Don't get, like, sometimes we fight the wrong fights. We fight in the natural when we're supposed to be fighting in the spiritual. Let them outlaw it. Let them ban it. Because nothing can stop it. Galatians 5 says that no law can ever be drafted against it. No one can stop you from living a fruitful and effective life. I remember we had um, actually some missionaries come in from China, you know, and they were, they were serving in this communist government where literally it's illegal to share your faith. And yet they were being very fruitful and very effective for many decades. And some people here actually like took them aside like, how can you do that? Like, that's a communist, you know, that's a, how can you serve that government? It's like, well, just live out the word, you know? And all of us should be able to do that, especially, especially in this nation that we have freedom to express and to share our faith. But how encouraging is it that even under severe persecution that nothing can stop you from reaching your full God-created potential? Nothing can stop it. You are unstoppable. 
No one and nothing can stop you from being a bold and courageous witness to the presence of God within you. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop you from sharing the salvation that you've received. In fact, the more that persecution comes and tries to stop it, the greater that the power of God is revealed through our lives. And this morning we're going to turn, if you want to read with me, to Acts chapter 5. We're going to read through an encounter where exactly this happened. Where this exact thing happened to real people living in this real flesh who had their doubts, had their struggles, had their sins, had their failures, but they also had the real spirit of the living God inside of them that enabled them to be unstoppable. Acts chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 12. It says, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. <laughs> and it's happening again today. In fact, I believe it's going to happen in even greater measure, right? Because Jesus said, even greater things than I have done, you will do. Greater things, greater things. They're performing all these signs and wonders. And if you're, if you're wondering the context of this, the whole An Ananias Sapphira thing where they lied to the Holy Spirit and like died instantly happened. So that's going to add context to what we're going to read next. It says, so all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade or co Solomon's porch, you know. Powerful things happen in homes and on porches. Powerful things. Spirit of God doesn't need four walls called a church. In fact, the Spirit of God moved more often outside those four walls. So where they were at was this place near the temple, but it was like outside of even the, they, you had to walk through Solomon's colonnade or his porch or whatever you want to call it to get to the uh, temple of the Gentiles where everybody was allowed to hang out, Jew and Gentile alike. So they're hanging out in this place between where the very presence of God exists in the Holy of Holies, and they're right there in the world. Like they're in this, this connecting point where they're building bridges and they're tearing down barriers and they're just sharing the good news about Jesus. They're performing signs and wonders and miracles. They're, they're, essentially, they're taking the presence of God, the Holy of Holies, to where it's always supposed to be among the people. Remember what, what Ezekiel said? They're infecting people with holiness is what they're doing. And so it's in verse 13 because of that recent Ananias Sapphira whole ordeal. No one else dared to join them, even though they're highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women, which was huge in that culture, believed in the Lord, and they were added to their number. The church is growing. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets, laid them on beds and mats, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from towns around Jerusalem. They brought in their sick. They brought in those who were tormented by impure spirits. And all of them were healed. Let's just say that together. All of them were healed. All. All of them. This isn't Jesus. This is common folk. You and I filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them were healed. Everyone who wanted healed or delivered from this torment were delivered. They were healed. You see, the greater the manifestation of God's glory, this is what we're going to see happen, the greater the opposition from the enemy. Here's the disheartening part. We're going to get to the good stuff. It's all good. It usually rises up from the least expected places. 
was the world rising up against Peter and the early church and what they were doing? No, they were coming in. They were pouring in. They were bringing in the sick, bringing in the tormented. They knew that that is where healing takes place. That's where I need to be. A little freaked out because, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to lie and die. But, um, but I love what they're doing, you know. <laughs> they were afraid to hang out with them, but they were a part of them. And daily, men and women were being saved. But where the opposition of the enemy rose up was from the religious people. They claimed to be God's representatives, and that was their position as far as their titles were concerned as well. While more and more and more of the lost were reached in the, and were found by the hope of Jesus, yet the, the church, quote-unquote, in today's world, the, you know, it was the religious people and the leaders of the church, the leaders of the church rose up in opposition to what God was doing. In verse 17, then the high priest... All of his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, you see politics got involved too. Anytime politics gets into the church, it's a nasty thing. We're not a political force here. We're a force for the kingdom of God. And, and it, it doesn't matter what my opinion is in the kingdom of God. It's only his opinion. That, and I'm, I praise God that that's the case, that his opinion trumps all. See, all these politics were involved. There's the party of the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and there's all these different sects and whatnot in Judaism. And it says that they were filled with jealousy verse 17 because if you remember our lives are containers they were created and they were purposed to be filled with the holy spirit to be filled with the presence of god that's what these flesh and bones were designed to be filled with with the spirit of the living god but we can choose what to fill them with jesus gave us free will we choose what to allow into our, the house of our lives, right? Remember, we learned last week about all of this, so I won't preach it again. Um, they're going to be filled with something. These people were choosing to fill their lives with jealousy. When they saw the move of God, it offended them and they were jealous. Because the people, understand what's happening here, they're in Solomon's colonnade on the porch. They were coming to receive ministry from outside of the temple. And so what do you think is happening to the temple treasuries? They might be getting a little weak, right? People aren't coming to them for healing and deliverance. They're just coming to those common ordinary men who hung out with Jesus. So they're getting really ticked off about this, really frustrated. Like, I thought we killed this guy. Why am I still hearing about Jesus? And why are people still getting healed? Why aren't they coming to us? Why is this Jesus thing not done and over with? And so in verse 18, they arrested the apostles. They put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord just opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. You stepped into my Egypt. You took me by the hand, right? Took them out. And they told them this in verse 20. Go, stand in the temple courts. Tell all people about this new life. You see, there's something awesome that happens when we step out of our comfort zone where we step out of our flesh and we step into the spirit realm, when we position ourselves under that open heaven to receive everything that God has provided for us, we become unstoppable. When God is for us, no one can truly be against us. They can try to rise up, but they will be defeated. They will fail where they intended us to fail. When we desire to tell people about this new life that is available to them, God gets excited about it. 
God gets excited, and he will do all that he can to equip and empower us to do that. The angelic realm serves our needs. The Bible says that they are ministering spirits. They will serve our needs while we serve Jesus. I love this analogy. Man bound them up, but Jesus literally set them free. Set them free from public jail. And so we continue on. So at daybreak... They entered the temple courts, as they had been told to do, and they began to teach people. How simple is life as a Christian? Just do what Jesus asks. Just, just walk in the Spirit. It's really that simple. We make it so hard. Just, just, just do what he asks. He'll meet you there. He'll provide everything you need. And so it says, so the next day, they've been in jail all night. Daybreak comes. So the high priest and his associates, they come together. They arrive, and they enter the temple courts. And it says the full assembly. So they didn't just come together, but they called together the full Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel. Everybody who's anybody in the church of the day, in the temple. And they sent to the jail for the apostles. So you see, they're, they're just kicking back and they're like, we're going to end this Jesus thing once and for all. We killed him. Well, guess what's coming? We're just going to kill them. It'll be done. We don't have to deal with it anymore. They'll start coming to us instead, right? But on arriving at the jail... The officers didn't find them there. And so they went back and they reported, we, we found the jail, get this, the jail was securely locked. The guards were standing at the door. So think about that miracle that had to take place. That miracle that took place. Like the angel opened the doors and led them right in front of the guards and then apparently he locked it back up or maybe just, I don't know what happened. They just walked through those prison doors. I, whatever happened. But they go back, like the, the guards are there. The doors are locked up. They open it up, and it's like the tomb all over again. Where are they at? They disappeared, you know? It's, God's just having this fun game of hide-and-seek with them. <laughs> and so it says, on hearing this report in verse 24, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss. And they're wondering what all this might lead to, because they know what's happening because of this Jesus guy that, that rose again from the grave when they opened it and it wasn't there. And so in verse 25, it says, Then someone said, Hey, come, look, those men that you put in jail, they're, they're standing right here in the temple courts, and they're teaching people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. But they didn't use force because they feared that the people would stone them. Now they have the favor that Jesus had of both God and man. There's something about the Spirit of God and the fruits of the Spirit that gives you favor with man. If you find yourself always fighting with people, always fighting with people, just question your life and let Jesus do a work in there, right? They had the favor of people, so they didn't take them by force. And that means that the apostles willingly went with their captors. Remember what Jesus said to do with your enemies? If they force you to walk a mile, hey, that was fun. Let's walk another mile. They take the shirt off your back. Hey, I got this nice coat too. You want it? Yeah. <laughs> it's so much fun to walk in the spirit because nothing that you have is yours. You just give it away because they have no, it's, it's like, it, I just, I don't know how to put this, but 
The enemy loses his grip. There's no other way to describe it. You become like this slippery, slimy, banana slime thing that the enemy just wants to grab you, and you're just like, poop. <laughs> he can't get his hands on you when you give him nothing in your life. My life isn't mine. You want to persecute me? Saw me in half. Whatever. Let's get this over with. You know, when the enemy has no hold on you because he has no hold on you, just we need to reveal that more often, I guess is what I'm saying. I can't get into words. The spirit wants to say something. It's not coming out of my mouth. So we continue on. Ah, I love this. Love this. So here's an easy to miss, but tremendously critical difference between a spirit of freedom, the Holy Spirit, and the freedom and the, the spirit of religion. There's nothing wrong with doing things religiously. I don't want to, just that word has such a weird connotation. You know, we, we fast and we pray and we worship, but we do those things not out of a, a duty of religion, but we, we do them because we've been set free and we want to do it. Because we enjoy being with Jesus and, and receiving more and more and more of his presence. But we need to fear God, not fear man. This is the difference. God's people feared God. What he said they did. They obeyed him, no matter what it meant, no matter what the cost was to their own lives. They feared God. They knew that their lives were in his hands. And it's a weird kind of fear because you're not really afraid. It's just, it's really cool. <laughs> you just have to experience that game, put it in words. But the religious people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the elders, the teachers of the law, they feared the people. They would not force the apostles to appear before them in court because they feared the people, that they would stone them to death. Do you see the difference in results? A fear of man, which proves to be a snare, according to Proverbs, and the fear of God that sets you free. The fear of God sets you free. I, I can't put it into words, but it's just it's awesome when you experience it. So here's the challenge. When it comes to sharing your faith, who are you afraid of? Do you fear God or do you fear man? Are you afraid of what people might think of you? Do you allow the enemy to whisper in your ear, yeah, but you're, you're abysmal failure. And you know what you did? You, you know the sin that's in your life right now? You know the things that, mm, do we fear God? Do we fear man? Because if we fear God, you can be open and honest and transparent. Here I am, yeah. <laughs> I got all kinds of issues. But the enemy has no hold on me because of them. Those issues are Jesus's. He got all of me. He got the good, the bad, and the ugly. He got it all. They're all his. So the enemy can't get a hold on you when you just fear God and not fear man. When it comes to our faith, do we fear God? Do we fear man? In verse 27, the apostles were brought in and they were made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. This is serious. This has gone to the Supreme Court. This is a high issue. Nobody else could deal with them. Nobody else knew what to do with them. So they just err. High priest, like, you know, he's the only one allowed to go into the Holy of Holies once a year. Like, this guy, he holds power and authority. He is God's representative. And so they're brought before him. This is not a light thing. This is serious. Everybody's observing and watching this take place. And in verse 28, the high priest says, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. We done made it illegal. We outlawed it. Don't do it. Right? And then he said, yet you filled Jerusalem with your teaching. You are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Of course, referring to Jesus. 
Again, fear of man. You're making us look bad in front of these people. You're making the people believe that we killed a righteous person, Jesus. That's what they did, right? Fear of man will keep you from freedom. When you fear the Lord, you openly confess your sin and you're set free. When you fear man, you conceal your sin and you do everything you have to do to hide it from people. And you are even further bound. You are even further bound. Fear of God sets you free. So Peter and the other apostles replied, and by the way, God's word says that when you get drugged before the courts, don't worry about what you're going to say. Holy Spirit will speak for you. You don't ever have to be afraid of what you're going to say to somebody. Don't practice it. Don't prepare it. Just go before somebody and just share whatever the Spirit leads you to share. It takes all the pressure off of you. You're not there to perform. You're not there to make Jesus look good or bad. You're just there to represent him. Let the Spirit have control, and you're never going to make Jesus look bad. Never. And so Peter and the other apostles, they replied. They said, we must obey God rather than human beings. You see, there's a line that gets crossed between serving God and serving man. And sometimes we got that line way too far on the... the Daniel was able to serve Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon in high places. Daniel did all kinds of things that I think is crossing the line, but he knew it was not crossing the line. But there came a line when he's like, I can't do this. I can't eat this food. I'll, I'll wear your clothes. I'll take your name. I'll say your language. I can't eat this food. So here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to say, I won't do it. Kill me. I'm going to say, okay, put it to the test. Me and my buddies, we're going to serve God and we're going to eat this kind of food. You, you just pig out and drink all the wine you want and you know, have a good time. And then at the end, see how we look. There's, there's, there's a, a way of, of drawing that line and yet doing it in, in sort of a gracious, almost diplomatic way because we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And that wisdom is found in the Holy Spirit. That line is found in the Holy Spirit. That line's going to be different for you than it is for me. I've got lines I can't cross. You've got lines. You can walk right over them and it's nothing. Figure out where that's at. So that's what they replied with. They said, stop teaching in this name. And they said, we got to obey God rather than human beings. Now, an angel told them to do it. So that's pretty clear, right? Sometimes I wish it was that clear. Like, God, just tell me what to do. And then I get prophetic words like, you decide. It's like, no, God, you tell me what to do. I just want to obey. It's just, it's a struggle right now. You pray for me. And anyways. Um, so, they said, we've got to obey God. He went on in verse 30. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. Truth is truth. Fact is fact, right? We're not going to be, it's gaslighting, right? That's the term that's so popular today. The Pharisees were trying to gaslight them, and they're like, no, you did it. I mean, it was pretty public, if you, if you don't know. You even hung a cute sign up of them. It said King of Kings, you know, or King of the Jews. It, you did this, okay? So let's just call facts facts. That's what it is. So you did it. Um, and he goes on, and da, 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 but God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and as savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. Like, look, he's not going to condemn you or make you look bad. He wants to forgive you. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to all those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were furious. They wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, and forgive me if I'm mispronouncing his name, he was also a teacher of the law. 
He was also honored by all the people. He stood up in the Sanhedrin. And Lord, put these men in every level of government in the United States of America. Give us some gamels here. He stood up in the Sanhedrin. And remind you, that they're in a fit of rage. They want to kill people. This man had some boldness and courage. This man had to have the Spirit of God in him to do this. He stood up and he ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Okay, get them out of here. They're raising a ruckus. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Remember that some time ago, Thedius appeared, and he claimed to be somebody. And about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and his followers dispersed, and it all came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean, he appeared in the days of the census. He led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. And he just reminded them of two cases where someone like Jesus claimed to be somebody, was put to death, and then it all came to nothing. The same thing just happened to Jesus. So if, if that was just human origin, it's going to fail. But, in verse 39, if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will find yourselves fighting against God. You won't be unstoppable. Just do what God's asking you to do. <laughs> you get thrown in jail, no big deal. He'll release you. And if he doesn't release you like he didn't Paul, you're going to have an even greater effect for the kingdom of God. Just be you wherever God places you. Joseph, he spent some jail time, even though he did nothing wrong. Guess what? He made that, he made that jail into a palace. Just be you. Trust that God has placed you for such a time as this. Don't try to defend your rights because you surrendered them all when you said, Jesus, I'm yours. <laughs> it's his rights now, his righteousness now. And I'm glad that because I gave him my rights, I get his righteousness. Because when I defend my rights, my righteousness ain't nothing. <laughs> I can't stand on it at all. That's a slippery slope. So in verse 40, I, we need men like that. In verse 40, it says that his speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and they had them flogged. They didn't just let them go. And flogging is no minor matter. You know, watch an example of it in the Passion of the Christ, that flogging when he was tied to that post. It's not a minor thing. In fact, they'd usually only whip them 39 times because they're afraid. Because if they whip them more than 40, then it's hard to keep track sometimes. And you're having fun tearing the flesh off of somebody, apparently. They would end up dying. So they were careful with that. Um, not in the Roman Empire, but in, in the Israeli kingdom, um, who was flogging in this case. So they had them flogged. And they ordered them again not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then they let them go. In verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin, and they rejoiced. Can you imagine rejoicing after you've been flogged? Unrighteously, for no good reason. They had no right to do what they did. And yet they didn't say, oh, that was so wrong. Okay, let's, let's start a rebellion. They said, yeah, woo! They rejoiced. Why? 
It says that they rejoiced because they had been counted worthy to suffer disgrace for the name, capital N, the name of Jesus. And so day after day in the temple courts, they are right there where those men flogged them. They're right in their faces, right under their noses. Because that's where the angels told them to be, right? The safest place in the world to be is right in the center of God's will. And a lot of times the center of God's will is right, right there. Like shoulder to shoulder with the enemy and what he's doing. Why? Because you have been commissioned to drive out the kingdom of darkness. You can't do that hiding in the middle of light. That's why we go out into the world with the hope of Jesus. That's why we are the light into this world, right? And so it says that day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they took the kingdom wherever they were. It says they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Unstoppable. They never stopped doing it. Wherever they were, whatever the consequences, whatever the cost, they never stopped just telling people the good news about Jesus. And Jesus got so excited that they were sharing the good news that he was doing signs and wonders and miracles. And they always followed the preaching of his word, according to his word, right? So we should expect those, even here today. The persecution became so severe that a man named Saul, he was a passionate man, very zealous about God. He was a Jew like no other Jews. He oversaw the murdering of Stephen for telling people all about Jesus. And we're going to Acts chapter 8, and I promise I'm, I'm coming down to an end here soon. And so this man was raised up because they couldn't stop it. <laughs> They couldn't stop people from getting healed. They couldn't stop people from being delivered. They couldn't stop people believing in the name of Jesus and calling on his name for salvation. They couldn't stop it. And so they, as, as most governments do, they created a commission to stop it, right? There's a commission being created in our world today, right? Uh, what's it called? You guys follow news, don't you? What's this new commission? It's something about so we can only tell the truth, right? <laughs> Anyways, yeah, read the news. It's, it's sad what's happening. But they created this commission and they put Saul in charge of it to stop this spreading of Jesus. So on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. This is when Stephen was stoned to death. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judah and Samaria. Why did the apostles not leave? Because the angel told the apostles to stay there and to preach. Persecution was getting hard, getting bad. People are getting killed here. And it said that godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. And Saul began to destroy the church. He went from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. This ain't the apostles anymore. Every believer, because that was always God's will, Every believer filled with the Holy Spirit, every believer able to work signs, wonders, and miracles, right? Every believer. They're preaching the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs that he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. We don't need a fancier sign or lights or smoke. We need a move of the power of God. Then people are going to listen to what you're saying, right? 
When they see the power of God in your life, the Bible says they're going to ask you the reason for your hope that is within you. Let them see your life, your weaknesses, your failures. Because when they see your weaknesses, they will also simultaneously see the, the power of God, the strength of God in those things. We've got nothing to hide. We're on public display for all to see. At least that's what we're supposed to be. And so it says, with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. When that happens in the church today, the religious people are like, oh, I don't want any part of that. There are demons in here? Mm -mm. <laughs> we're going to go where the demons can, can lead the church and stay quiet and safe, right? <laughs> Lord, forgive me, but it's truth. I'm not going to gaslight you here, you know? <laughs> Woo, we don't want to go where they're shrieking and on display. Me? I want to go where there's freedom. Let them shriek and run away. I want to see the demons tripping over themselves whenever they're fleeing, right? That's what, that's what was happening in the church, and it was never supposed to stop. Like, find me the book, chapter, and verse that says, okay, but, um, but on this day, it's all going to stop. <laughs> never. Never was it supposed to stop. The kingdom is still advancing and still driving out the kingdom of darkness. And it says also, many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. One man, not an apostle, got driven out because of persecution. All he did was share good news about Jesus. And all these signs, wonders, and miracles were happening. It filled the entire city with joy. Can you imagine going down to Pittsburgh and all of a sudden there's just joy everywhere? Or maybe we'll start small catanning. It's not the most joyful place if you hang out there often. But there is a joy that can rise up and overtake the whole city. It starts with just us sharing the good news. Jesus. It says, you know, okay, so they were trying to stop the spread of news about Jesus. They're trying to stop this news about this salvation and the new life that he provides. However, their severe persecution and their attempts to stop it literally caused it to spread even further. Unstoppable. Unstoppable. Just like Gamil had warned, they found themselves only fighting a losing battle against God himself. They could not stop what God had started. They could not stop what God was sustaining the, through the Holy Spirit. In fact, here we are, almost 2,000 years later, we're still a part of that movement. Think about how unstoppable God really is. Here we are, thousands of years later, still believing the good news about Jesus, still spreading it. The Holy Spirit still performing signs, wonders, and miracles. He just did one here this morning. I still just keep looking at this thing. Like, how, is that, how does that happen? I, so awesome. Because why? Because even though I said, Lord, I am not anointed to be a worship leader. You need to find us someone to hire in. God's like, mm-mm, you're going to be leading this morning. It's, it's not time yet, right? <laughs> Nothing can stop God. Nothing. Even my boneheadedness and goofiness and causing my own pain, as I often do, um, God heals it and delivers it so that we can do what God wants us to do. You are unstoppable. Each and every one of you are unstoppable when you're just doing what Jesus calls you to do. He'll send the angelic host. He'll send whatever he has to send. Provision and deliverance and healing. He'll do what he needs to do to equip and fuel you. Fuel you to live your purposes. To live your best life, right? Mm. As we celebrate a few weeks ago, Jesus was a clear example of how nothing can stop God. Not even death itself can keep him down, right? Not, not the temptation of our flesh. 
No, de no demon, not even the devil himself. The devil tempted. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus in the flesh. Not even the devil could stop Jesus from fulfilling his Father's will, right? Not the hatred of thousands of others shot and crucified. Not even death itself can stop the power of our great God. And that same power that raised Jesus from the grave, according to Romans 8, lives in you. You're unstoppable. Unstoppable. You just got to believe it and walk in it. That's the greatest deceit of the enemy, is making the church think that they are powerless. We are beggars. God, please heal this person. God, if it be your will. God's like, well, I, I wrote it, right? Can you find an example where someone wasn't healed because it was just my will that they not be? No. So where's the question here? Come on, he left no doubt. Over and over and over again, not only in Jesus' ministry, but in his, his Isaiah's ministry, in Ezekiel's ministry, in, uh, I mean, just every ministry I could ever think of in the Bible, in the New Testament ministry, who were common people like you and I, just filled with the same spirit, like you and I, all were healed. I want to learn to walk in that authority that's available. We've got to stop being beggars and start being princes and princesses, adopted children by the king of kings. You have authority. You walk in authority. You can't help but exude that authority when you realize who you truly are. With this in mind, and I'm closing with this scripture, I promise, maybe. Paul wrote to encourage the church in the midst of severe persecution. He wrote all about the critical key of Jesus' resurrection to our faith and hope. Because people were starting to get gaslighted and not believing, it's going to be a new favorite term, not believing in the resurrection of Jesus. Not believing in it. And, and if he's not resurrected, then what all is all this for? That's what Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, listen, and I'll tell you a mystery. We won't all sleep, meaning we won't all die, but we will all be changed. All of us, dead and alive alike, in a flash in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Oh, hit the last trumpet! Yes, woo! I'm boring it, sorry, right? Yeah, at the last trumpet, at the last trumpet, when it sounds, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we also will be changed. Because this perishable body must clothe itself with imperishable. The mortal must clothe itself in immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal body with immortality, then the saying that was written will come true because what is true of God's word? Everything, right? Every word of God is true. It is yes and amen. It will never fail. Even the grave, even your rotting corpse. It's not too far gone for the promises of God to be fulfilled. And, and whether we are, you know, uh, whether we are, uh, yeah, 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 what's the word that we came up with um, for the, I can't even think of it, the resurrection, but you don't die. Um, the, um, the rapture, there we go, that's the word we came up with. Whether we are taken alive in the rapture or whether we die and rot and he raises our corpse to life, either way, this word of God, these prophetic words will be true according to 1 Corinthians 15. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Because the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, in verse 57, He gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, 
Therefore, and we, we would like to stop there. Therefore, verse 58, my dear brothers and sisters, we're all one family. We've all been adopted in the same family. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully, always fully, to the work of the Lord. Let the Lord work. <laughs> Let him do the work. Let him do the hard stuff. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Stand firm. Let nothing move you, because after all, you are unstoppable. Unstoppable. And you know what I love about the kingdom of God is you see that it is most unstoppable whenever you see people in the midst of their suffering and their trials. When you see people like Cheryl, who are still giving praise to God in the middle of her suffering and pain, because she knows Jesus is her healer, and she keeps telling her body that, you know, that he is the healer. So let's take the advice of the angels. Let's get out there and tell all people about this good news. Let's get out there. Let's see people healed and delivered and restored. Let's see the kingdom of God come and drive out darkness. I can't imagine, but I, I believe I'm going to see it. An entire city filled with joy. And not just joy because, you know, the, the governor gave him a $2,000 check. I'm talking about joy from the Holy Spirit, joy of the Lord, a strength that rises up, right? Let's get out there because you're unstoppable. If you do what God calls you to do, he will move heaven and earth to make you successful. You cannot fail. You cannot fail. And even if you miss it, you haven't failed. You get right back up, you dust yourself off, and you try again. You're unstoppable, unstoppable in the Lord. So let's just give God some praise. We have the worship team come forward. We're closing with a song here because songs are awesome. <laughs> I just laugh every time I sing that, the impossible, because I believe firmly that there isn't an impossible to God. That word doesn't even exist in his realm, in the world to him because he's the maker, he's the creator, he's the author, he's the finisher. I mean... How can there be an impossible to, I don't know. But anyway, thank you, Lord, for breaking things and doing whatever it is you're doing. I, I sense there's things happening today, and I, I know that he's always moving. So, God, I thank you for being unstoppable. I thank you for not letting us stop you. <laughs> Lord, uh, forgive us when we do and we try to and we don't know what we're doing. But, Lord, thank you for all that you are, all your grace, all your mercy, all your truth. Lord, help us to be more like you. Help us to represent you well here on this earth. Lord, use this place for your glory, for your presence, for your dwelling. This is your house, and we're thankful to be a part of what you're doing here on this earth. So God, continue and bless each one here. God, as they go, Lord, that they remember and lean on who you are to them. Lord, thank you for going forth and accomplishing all that it, that you're doing and uh thank you amen, amen. Yeah.